0: Let's take our Bibles and turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. we a couple of sermons here in Galatians chapter 5, and we are picking things up in verse 13, and we'll go through verse 18 this morning. I'm excited to preach from this passage. I feel like in many ways the reason I wanted to start a series through Galatians was to get to this part of Galatians, and so I'm glad that we're here. I'm excited, and I feel like we've been building towards these truths. Um, in our house, we're, we're working on a definition. We're working on the definition of the word maybe. Um, very often, our children will ask if they can do something, or if they can have something, or if they can go somewhere, and sometimes our answer is maybe, because we're not sure. The answer could be yes, the answer could could be no. That, that's what I mean when I say maybe. When I say maybe, I say, I mean, I, I'm not really sure. I don't have enough information to say yes or no at this point, so we will wait. And when I am able to say yes or no, I will tell you yes or no. But when I say maybe, sometimes my, my children cheer. And I don't know why. I think it's because they they think that later the answer is going to be yes, and, and maybe very often it is. Um, but we seem to understand that word in, in completely different ways, the word maybe. I feel like in Galatians, that's part of what's going on, is, is Paul's using the word, he's using the word freedom. And everyone's misunderstanding what he means. They, they are taking it in different ways. And so, in some ways, what he's doing, especially here in chapter 5, is defining what he means by, by freedom. His opponents and even those that were his friends seem to, to misunderstand, and therefore they're, they're rejecting what Paul is teaching about freedom. They say, and they're, they're teaching something completely opposite of what he's trying to say. And they're trying to set him straight. And here in, in chapter 5, verses 13 through, through 18, he, he's showing another abuse of this message of freedom that he was preaching, this freedom that we have in Christ. And it, it's an extremely important lesson. And it's also extremely practical. What does it mean that we are free that we have freedom in christ it's something that we would say but but can we define that another great phrase that we're going to find in this passage is walk by the spirit we could say walk by the spirit but if i said to you what do you mean walk by the spirit would you be able to tell me what that looks like How, how do you walk by the spirit this is all extremely and intensely practical so I really just want to dive in. I I don't really have a summary statement for this, but I just want to walk through and try to understand what this freedom is. Read with me in in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, and let's walk through this passage together. Paul writes, For you were called to freedom. Does that sound familiar? If you look back at at chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. He's kind of picking back up on this. Again, verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only, do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So we're going to be covering these big themes. What does Paul mean by freedom? What does Paul mean by, by walk? By the Spirit. Here's the first truth that I think would, would be key for us to understand and, it, and it's this, we are free from sin and law. We are free from sin and law. You remember what's the major fight that, that Paul's been fighting in Galatians? It's this fight against legalism. It's this fight that says faith in Christ is, is not enough, that we, we need to earn God's favor. You can have faith, but we also must do something. And the false teachers were coming in and saying, you need to be circumcised, you need to keep the law of Moses. And we've seen this struggle in our own hearts, right? That we believe, but we have this list of things that we need to do if we want God to really, truly be happy with us. And Paul it keeps saying that, that this is not true. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that Christ has done all that is necessary for us in relation to the law. He is the end of the law. He has fulfilled all righteousness. He, he has kept the law and he has paid the penalty for the law, the, this penalty of, of death that is imposed on us who do not keep it. So, the message of the gospel is that our sin has been imputed, it's been placed on Christ, and Christ dies in our place, pays the penalty for our sin and for our law breaking. And then he takes his righteousness, all that he's done to fulfill the law, and he gives it to us. And so now we are righteous, which enables us to stand up before God, not simply as forgiven but as holy that's the beautiful message of the gospel on the other side of the road though of, of legalism is this ditch that we call license um, just because it also begins with an L um, legalism and, and license it's it's this ditch that says freedom what does that mean freedom means I can do whatever I want freedom means I'm right before God so now I can go right on doing uh, whatever I please I can Sin and and seek forgiveness later. So some in Galatia were taking their 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 freedom that pro, that Paul was preaching, and they were making it an opportunity for the flesh. Do you see that in verse 13? You were called for freedom, brethren. Only now here's the warning: don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. That word opportunity it, it's it has this this meaning of a a base of operations. Or uh, for like an expedition or, or for a war it's it's where things start, so freedom became this this launching point for the flesh. We're free, so we can do whatever we want. The flesh is a word that he uses here. It can mean um, just just body, which is what he it means back in galatians two twenty it's it has this idea though of um, what I would call kind of the the abiding the the lasting pockets of rebellion that still exist in us, the sin nature that still is, is within us and, and kicking and screaming. It's dead, and yet it's in its death throes, and there are effects in our lives of the sin nature, pockets of rebellion that are warring against the Spirit of God and our new desires that want to please Him. And so what what the opponents were saying is, Paul, you you can't, you can't preach freedom like that. You can't tell people that they're free. Because they're just going to use it as an opportunity to do whatever they want. To which Paul says, "Then they don't understand. They don't understand what I mean by, by freedom." The the thing though is that that we do this right. As, as I say that, don't do our sinful hearts do that? We say, "Well, I'm free, so I'll just kind of first John one nine that sin a little bit later. You know, I'll do this because I know that I'm forgiven because I'm right in God, and so I will." Sin. And Paul says, if that's your attitude, you don't understand freedom. You don't understand what, what Christ is, and you're, you're misinterpreting what I mean by the word freedom. This is what Paul's opponents were afraid of, and yet it's also what we do, that we abuse the grace of God. We make it this launching point for sin, and it's a dangerous pattern. And it's something that we're going to see next week, how dangerous it really is. But but it's it's a lie. Jesus says anyone who commits sin is what a slave to sin. So if you say, oh, I'm free, so I'm going to sin. Well, Jesus says, well, then you're a slave to sin because you're committing sin, and therefore you're a slave. A life of of license is not freedom. It's slavery, just like legalism is freedom. We just rather become enslaved to our sinful desires instead of the law. And Paul says, no, I don't want you to be enslaved to legalism, but I don't want you to be enslaved to license and to sin either. I want you to be free because it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So Paul says that that true Christian freedom is not an opportunity for the flesh. It's not an opportunity for the pockets of sinful nature that still exist in the believer. But he says this, freedom is an opportunity for love. So we're free from We're free from sin and law. We're free from law as a means of of salvation. That's the first thing we want to say. This is the next thing I want to say. We are free to love. We're free to love. Look at the verses here. Verse 13, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. He says that we are free to love, and then he says the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." Now, doesn't it seem strange that Paul goes back to the law? I thought he's been kind of breaking down the law and saying that we don't need this law anymore. He says the whole law is fulfilled in one word, but what does that have to do with us if we're free from the law? It it has... Um, it, what Paul is saying when he says that we are free from the law is that we are free from the law as a means of, of salvation. You remember the various uses of the law, that the law reveals sin. Uh, he pointed out that, that the law awakens in us a desire to sin. So you walk down the sidewalk, you see the sign that says keep off the grass, and about five minutes before, you had no intention of walking on that grass. But all of a sudden, now that you're told you're not allowed to, you want to. The The law kind of reveals this desire, but I want to do that now. You know, Sometimes our kids will say, don't look at me. At that point, everyone looks at them, right? Because you're told not to do something, and it awakens this desire to do it. That's one intention of the law. The law reveals sin and then pushes us to Christ, our need for him. But the law also is a means of revealing God's will for us. It shows us God's heart, his His desire. And and Paul's not completely throwing out the law, but rather he takes a verse like verse 14 and he shows us what the real meaning of the law is. He sums up the Ten Commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, in that is, is this love for God. We love God. Well, how did Jesus summarize the law? To, to love God and to, to love your neighbor. Paul does this beautiful thing. The the, the, the the false teachers in Galatia are saying, you have to do this list for God to be happy with you. And Paul says, if you want to fulfill the law, I'll give you one word, love. It's about love. You love God and, and you love others and and you will fulfill the law. Now, Paul's not saying that this is the list. Now, love is what you have to do to earn favor with God. It's a different use of the law. Do you remember we, we, we talked about how the law is is our railroad tracks, but we lift them up and make them a ladder against the wall uh, to, to climb to get salvation. See so you, you rip up the railroad tracks and you lean them against the wall and you say, this is how I'm going to climb to God is through the law. But that's not what it was intended for. But it was intended as a railroad track. As a guide to show us the direction that we're supposed to go as a guide to show us how, how to walk with and how to please God, so if we turn it up on end, then the law is is wrong, but if we lay it down and we let it be this guide for us what we're supposed to that, that reveals what we 're supposed to do, how we 're supposed to love God, how we 're supposed to love others then it's it's good. This is what Spurgeon says he says what what is God's law now? It is not above the Christian, it is under a Christian. Some men hold God's law like a rod in terror over Christians and say, if you sin, you will be punished with it. For the Christian, he says, it is not so. The law is under a Christian. It is for him to walk on, to be his guide, his rule, his pattern. We are not under the law, but under grace. Law is the road which guides us, not the rod which drives us. That's good, isn't it? Law is the road which guides us, not the rod which drives us, nor the spirit which actuates us, which which uh, the, nor the spirit that, that causes us to do these things. The law is good and excellent if it is kept in its place. And where is it play its place? It is under us. It's not driving us. It's not something that we're trying to climb. It's something that guides us, that shows us the way to go. The law is summarized here in. In love, that's that's the opposite of of flesh. He says, "Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity to the flesh, but through love, serve one another." So the opposite of flesh, of selfish, self-centered, prideful, sinning, is sacrificial, serving, Christ-like love. It's to move from slavery to self and law to slavery to love for Christ and love for others. All of the Galatians' law-keeping, actually, it was it was pulling them away from the center of the law. If the center of the law is love, then they were getting caught in legalism, and it seemed that that legalism was actually causing division and a lack of love. Isn't that what happens when we create lists of rules and we find people that don't keep them? Then suddenly it creates division between us. Paul uses this language verse 15 but if you bite and devour one another take care that you are not consumed by one another Paul uses language of, of some sort of vicious battle here going on it's, it's like wild dogs he says you're biting and you're devouring one another and if you're not careful you are going to consume one another because you're so concerned with with either keeping the law or with or with License to do whatever you want that you're you're hurting one another and you're neglecting one another and you're not loving one another like you're supposed to you're not keeping the law you're not doing anything good you are enslaved to your flesh and you're hurting each other. you guys are like wild animals that's not what Christ called you to be now we're going to come back to these verses actually next week as we as we talk about the fruit of the spirit and try to understand this this key principle of love but where I want to go now is Paul tells us don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. So he tells us don't don't give into the flesh but love. Now, that's easier said than done, isn't it? How do we do this? Paul that that's what I want to know, right? I mean this is the nitty-gritty of life is we know what we're supposed to do. But every week we we, we don't do it perfectly, right? I mean, that's why we have a prayer of confession and thanksgiving every Sunday because every week we all sin, so now but how do we grow in godliness? How do we grow in Christ likeness? How do we do this? Paul? I, I want to be like this. I don't want to bite and devour other people. I have no interest in that. I want to love people. I want to love God. Tell me how to do it, Paul. How do we walk in freedom? And I think this is the next three verses, and I would just summarize them like this. So if you want to put a heading over them, it would be, um, We experience true freedom when we, walk, when, when we, by faith, walk by the Spirit. Let, let me change that. When we, ex- we experience true freedom when, by faith, we walk by the Spirit. We experience true freedom when, by faith, we walk by the Spirit. Let's just read these verses again, 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we may be free from sin and the law. We may be free to love, but we all recognize that there's a flesh that we're still fighting, right? That we still experience the effects of our old nature, that we don't always act like we are dead to sin. We don't always love. And Paul recognizes this reality of of war, right? Verse 17, The flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So Paul is saying there's there's a struggle, right? There's a struggle within us between flesh and spirit. Here's an encouragement though. If, you, if you're facing that that conflict in your life between flesh and spirit, that's a good thing. That means that the spirit is there fighting your flesh. If if there is no war in your life between flesh and spirit, then it means that one of them is absent. And since Paul says that the flesh is here with us always, that if there's a battle, if there's conviction of sin in your life, if if, if you're feeling like, well, I, I don't always do what I'm supposed to do, I don't always follow the Spirit, well, that means that the Spirit is present in your life. The scary thing is when we're calloused and and we sin and and there is no effect. When we do what we know is wrong and suddenly we say that didn't bother me anymore. I feel callous to it. I, or it doesn't doesn't hurt me when I sin. That's the scary place to be. But if there's a battle, be be encouraged at least to know that, that that's the reality for the believer, that there is spirit and flesh and they are they are warring in us. But that's not where the encouragement that, that, that Paul gives us ends, I don't think. Listen to the way he says these things. Verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh doesn't that sound like freedom if i walk by the spirit i won't carry out the desires of the flesh i will be free from the flesh i won't i won't be fighting this flesh constantly like that i mean that's something that that i want as a believer if i want to please god if i want to love others i say paul how do i walk by the spirit tell me how to do that because i want to walk in that freedom that you're talking about i walk by the spirit you will not carry out the desires of the flesh i, I think that the encouragement here, though, to me is is just how, how solid that is. Walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I worked at a when, – when summertime comes around, I think about a, a church camp that I worked at. I worked at a church camp for five years, and I was a, a camper there for I don't know how many years, a long time. Um, my dad actually worked at the church camp the first summer, right? Yeah, so it was kind of this heritage thing that we worked at this this church camp. Um, and this church camp was in the middle of a cornfield, so there wasn't much exciting, you know. It's not like we had a lot of really great mountains to hike or, you know, things like that. So our, our weeks were built around competition. You'd have competitions. There'd be two teams, and they would, we'd have the big game, or you'd have cabin challenges, or and you'd earn different points for verses that you would say and quizzes that you would win. And so it was this big competition week after week, and the two teams are going back and forth fighting, you know, to see who's going to win. And some weeks it was, you know, really good competition. And some weeks you're on the team and and your team is just terrible. The other team, as they would say, is just stacked. They've got everyone on their team. And and you've got, you know, let's say the age range is like 13 to 18 for senior high camp. For some reason the 13 to 15-year-olds are all on your team and they've got all the older kids and you, you just can't win. And sometimes you know you would try to do these these pep talks, and you, we would never go into a pep talk. You never go into a game, you know, with these campers beforehand. And you wouldn't say, "Well, guys, if we do our best, if we try really hard, then I think we've got like a 50-50 chance of winning." <laughs> Maybe, but if we make any mistakes, that's going to drop dramatically. We would never you would never walk into something because that that would be discouraging to them. They wouldn't even they wouldn't even try. What I've been thinking about this week, though, is I think that very often in the fight of flesh versus spirit, that's how we approach it. We walk into our day or we walk towards a certain temptation and we say, well, there's flesh and spirit present here, so we've got like a 50 50 chance of beating this temptation. It is, but I don't think that's what Paul says. If we walk by the Spirit, what? You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If we can figure out how to walk by the Spirit, then when we face temptation, it's not a 50 50 chance. When the spirit goes against the flesh, the spirit wins because the spirit is the spirit of God. So how do we walk in this? What does it mean to walk by the spirit? He says later on. He says if we are are led by the spirit, you can imagine um, the, the illustration that, that that came to my mind. If we're led by the spirit, we're we're being we're being pulled along by the spirit. The spirit is the one that's guiding us, showing us where to go, and he's the one. That, and even more than that, even more than just kind of Pulling us along, it's almost as if it's like a like a piggyback ride. And what's our job is to hang on to the spirit, and the spirit will guide us where we need to go. He will take us in His power to the things we need to go. And what's our job is to hold on with everything that we've got to the spirit. the The other illustration that we're going to look at next week is the the fruit of the spirit. That if we walk by the spirit, we will bear the fruit of the spirit. The spirit is is doing the work. The spirit is doing the work. We're led by the spirit. He is the one that's leading us. We walk by the spirit. He is. He is empowering us. I think sometimes what, the way we interpret this, walk by the Spirit, is if you heard this phrase, let go and let God, have you ever heard that phrase? That's kind of the way that you interpret it. I think there's some pocket of truth to that. God is the one that's going to do it through us. But does that mean that sanctification is just kind of like, you know, God sanctify me. You do it. That there's there's no action involved. No, we have to walk by the Spirit. Now, as I've been trying to think and just kind of asking people sitting down having coffee or my family this week saying, hey, Galatians says walk by the Spirit. How do you do that? Tell me how you walk by the Spirit. Just been trying to understand what that means. This, is, this is Here's some thoughts on how do we walk by the Spirit. If this is what we want, if we want to live in a way that that the spirit is in control rather than the flesh, that we are fighting against sin and we are becoming victorious. How do you do that? I think that's an answer we all want to know. And let me start with this. I heard John Piper say one time that 90% of life is reactionary, meaning that that most decisions in life that you make are made in the moment. You know, big decisions like college or where you're going to work, things like that, they're you sit down and you have time to process and to make a decision. But most of life is something where something comes at you and you have to react to it. It's, it's kind of a split-second decision. And the fight with sin is usually reactionary. The temptation comes. The co-worker shows up. You know, the, there's, there's opportunity to do something against what God wants you to do. The opportunity to be angry presents itself. And you've got a moment to make that decision. It's, it's reactionary. So how do we deal with that if it's reactionary? And I think walking by the Spirit then means that there is work beforehand that has to happen. We have to be prepared to come into the battle. We, we prepare for the battle. We put on the armor of God. Th- things like this, it's it's something that happens beforehand. And the key here that Galatians has been encouraging us with is, first of all, this, to know who you are in Christ. To know who you are. We've said that sanctification at its core in the New Testament is become who you are. Become who you really are. Well, who are you? What has Paul told us in Galatians? He told us in Galatians 2.20 that he's been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's that's us. That's for the believer. You've been crucified with Christ, and Christ is living in you. You, you are a new man. What was, the, what was the passage we read from Ezekiel this morning? That God has taken out. A heart of flesh, a heart of stone, and what's he given us? A heart of flesh so that we can walk in his ways. He says all throughout here, he keeps talking, he says in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Then he gets into this, for chapter after chapter, he reminds us, we are sons and daughters of God, that you have been adopted by God himself. That you are God, and that you are are a son or a daughter of God, and then He goes on and He says, "And you're not you're a son of Abraham, and you're not just you're not just any son. You're not according to the line of Hagar. You're not a a son that's enslaved. You are you are freeborn son of God, according to the line of Isaac." And Scripture is full of these kind of things. We are we are new. We've we've had a new birth. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come that, that we are given God's spirit that the flesh has been crucified there's all these encouragement throughout scripture about who we are in Christ so now what is what I'm telling you you need to give yourself some sort of spiritual pep talk every morning you know and kind of say I'm good enough smart enough and people like me you know is is that is that will that make us victorious over sin no it's not a pep talk because a pep talk sometimes is is telling yourself things that are not true if I'm at camp and I say, hey, we're really going to beat these guys, and I know that we don't have a chance, that, that's a pep talk because it's, it's a lie. When we tell ourselves about who we are in Christ, we're speaking truth. We're telling ourselves what is, what is true. Who are you really? You are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. This is who you really truly are. Become who you are. The problem is, is that we, we, give, we, we, we talk down about who we are. We, we let the flesh have too much victory in our lives, we say that the flesh is just as strong as the spirit. It's not. It is not as strong as the spirit. And I'm not trying to come up with some sort of, you know, um, I, I don't know, that you're, you're always victorious and, and that we'll never sin. The the flesh remains. But I think we can feel spiritual by saying that all the time. Oh, my flesh is so strong. That's not spiritual. That's that's allowing lies to come into your life and not realize who God has made you to be, become who you truly are. And what I love, I think the key, for if, if we're sticking with Galatians, the key is that you are a child of God, and God is for you. He is your Father. And then he says, you now have the Spirit living and dwelling within you, and the Spirit always wins. So we, we need to know who we are in Christ, and again, that's not some sort of super spiritual pep talk. That's just reality, speaking truth, understanding who we truly are. It's what some people call preaching the gospel to yourself. You know, David does that. Why are you downcast? who oh, my soul talking to himself. Why are you so discouraged? Put your hope in God. We need to do that on a daily basis to say, soul... Why are you so downcast? Why, why am I walking into temptation assuming that I'm going to fail when I realize that the Spirit of God lives inside me and that if I have faith in Christ, if I have put my trust in him, then I am his son. How do we know who we are in Christ? It's kind of coupled with that, but it's it's knowing the truth of God's word. We know who we are in Christ, and we know, that we know God's word. We know his promises. John 8. Let me just read you some from John 8. These are the things that we need to recognize. Remember, this is a great parallel passage, but in John chapter 8, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm sorry, verse 31, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what sets us free? The truth. And where's the truth? It's in the words of Jesus, if you continue in my word. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. That's truth that Jesus tells us. If we would abide in his word, then he will make us free. It's John 14, abiding. If we would abide in Christ, abide in knowing the truth of who he is. And Romans 8 is just this beautiful parallel passage. And Romans 8 is always worth reading. So let me just read some passages from Romans, a section from Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, beginning in verse 1, we all know this, Therefore there is now no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what set you free from the law of sin and of death, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. who do not walk according to the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the To the Spirit, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Do you see that? Where's the battle? It is in our minds. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit, and we will walk by the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit his life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Then listen to this beautiful part. However, you, this is speaking to the believer, those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ for salvation are not relying on deeds of the flesh or on works. However, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. For if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And here's the practical. So then, brethren, we are under under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And he goes on and he says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. This, this thought of being a child of God seems to recur over and over again. But we know who we are in Christ. We know who we are in Christ by knowing God's word. We know this truth and it's, and its complete saturation in understanding who we are in Christ and understanding the truth that God has given us, that's how you walk in the Spirit. Where, how are we transformed? By the renewing of our minds, by knowing who we truly are. Uh, Andrew and I, yesterday morning, I was just meditating on this, and, and we, were, we had a big day. We had a birthday party for Elaine yesterday and it was early in the morning because kids get up early, and my parents weren't there yet. And and I don't say this with any pride, but just because I was reading this passage, I said, Andrea, we have to read our Bibles today. We have to. It's not, it's not like today is a special day. Today is just another day. But we have to. I think sometimes we look at Bible reading and we put it in this category of, of legalism, right? It, it's not. It's walking by the Spirit. 90% of life, that's that's not a hard and fast statistic, but life is reactionary. And unless we start off and we say, I have to be in God's word, I have to be in God's word, then then we will not know how to fight. We will not know how to walk in the spirit. I still remember, uh, if if I could wrap my brain, I'll, I'll remember who, who said it, but I was sitting in the car listening to a message one time, and the man said, when we wake up in the morning and we decide not to spend time with God in prayer, and and in his word we essentially say god i don't need you today i'll be fine on my own now that's not i'm not trying to place a legalistic burden on you of being in the law of being in of being in the word that that's the thing that you have to do but if we want to walk by the spirit we need to know the truth of god and we need to be reminded every day of what it is it's a fight but it's a fight of faith it's a fight to believe what God has said. And who is doing the fighting? Who is doing the fruit bearing? Who is doing the leading? It's the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that is doing it. Walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's not about doing doing the right things in order to get favor with God. It's about walking in the way and becoming who we truly are. I heard another illustration this week about um, if you can imagine going into a college class or a high school class or whatever kind of class you want to imagine, and the teacher says, first day, you guys don't have to worry about anything, you all got an A. Everyone's getting an A, so now let's study the material. Now there's two different, there's there's a few different responses. One would be the, the legalistic response, which says I don't believe him. And so I now have, I'm going to, I've got to work hard and I've got to do really well on these tests and I've got to continue to work as if you know, in fear that maybe he'll change his mind if I don't work hard enough and I won't get that A. Or there's the license response that says, wow, I just got a free period now. I'm not coming to this class anymore and I'll save this as nap time. Or there's one that says, I don't have to worry about the grade anymore. Now I can just enjoy learning the material. And what Jesus does in justification is he says, you are right before God. You don't have to earn anything. You, you got an A. When the end comes, what what's he say? Um, in, we, we saw this in verse 5. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness, and the Spirit and faith give us this hope that when the end comes, we have the hope of righteousness, that we will be righteous. So we know that that is true. But when God does that, he then places his Spirit inside of us, and his Spirit in that illustration, we be the one that gives us this great love for the material. We just want to know it. We just want to walk in the ways that God calls us to. We just want to do what the Spirit is prompting us to do. We want to become who we truly are. That's what God does for us in justification and in sanctification, and it's all by faith. It's all through the cross. It's all in what He does in and through us. And so, I want to give you. Uh, my, my hope is, because this is what this passage has done for me, is that this is an encouragement. Not a pep talk that tells you lies, but a pep talk that says this is who you truly are in Christ. And so fight, and fight in the power of the Spirit, and know that when we are yielded to the Spirit, there is victory over sin. Sometimes at camp, we would the counselors would play dodgeball with the campers. That was always our favorite time, because we knew we were going to win, <laughs> and it was this. For some people, um, it was uh, it was a time to take out aggression on on campus that week. We were driving them crazy. We just terrible. I never did that. <laughs> um, but there was this confidence that we walked into that and said, "Well, we're going to win, because because we're bigger and we're stronger and we can do it." Now there was always a chance that you know you'd be standing in there and and this ball would come just floating out of nowhere and hit you and you need to be out, and you know the shortest guy back in the corner is the one that threw that and and you're out and there's always that threat, and yet we walked in with with confidence, knowing that that there was this, this this beautiful thing that we were there there was hope to win because because we were bigger and we were stronger, and I think that's what I want us to walk into this battle with sin we need to respect and understand, not respect we need to to be realistic about the flesh that still lives in us and the world that is fighting to get us to fail, and that Satan is still alive and active. And yet we walk in and we say, but if I walk in the Spirit, I, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have a new heart of flesh that he's given me. I, I, am, I, am, no, I am dead to sin, and I am made alive in Christ. And I, and I think if we would walk in that way, that that is at least part of what walking in the Spirit is. And if we would walk in that way, that is what Christ has called us to do, to be to become who we truly are in Him. Let's pray together. But I, I thank you so much for the encouragement of your Word. And I just feel like I'm learning all these things new and fresh myself, and so I pray that they've come across as clear. I just pray that you would encourage the hearts of your people. I know there are some who are just weary from the week of, fighting sin and and feeling like they've failed and and we've all been there lord yet I, i pray that you would give us a renewed desire to fight the fight of faith to walk in the spirit to be in your word to know who we truly are in you and to realize that you have called us to freedom called us to be free from sin free from the law free from legalism free from license and we are free to love we are free to fulfill the law As you have laid it out for us, this track that we are to follow, we're able to do it not in our own strength, but in the strength that you provide through the power of your Spirit, because you have broken sin and death by the cross. Lord, take all these jumbled thoughts and bring them together in our minds and hearts and help us in the days and weeks and years ahead as a church that we would gather around each other and encourage one another and remind each other who we are, that we are sons and daughters. Of God that you are living and dwelling within us that we have a new heart a new birth that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus and as we meditate on these things Lord that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds not some pep talk about what not what is not true but truth talk about who we really are in you but let these things sink deep down into our hearts and our souls